0: Welcome to the Everyone has a story podcast presented by the Business and Education Alliance, where students' talent, interests, and aptitudes can be connected to the dynamic world of work. Hello everybody. this is Bob Gimignani with the Business and Education Alliance. Here again with a another uh, with another career interview day. We have with, with us a uh, guest from Children's Hospital. Good morning to Sean Walker. She's an orthopedic pediatric physical therapist for Children's Hospital, Colorado. Sean, thank you so much for being here today and spending some time with us.
1: Thank you for inviting
0: me. Our pleasure. Well, we're looking forward to hearing uh, what you do. There are, you know, going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of students looking at this video, wondering what they want to be when they grow up. And we're going to talk about that. This will be a two-part interview. So the first part of the video is going to talk really about your uh, when you were younger and what you wanted to be when you grew up and how you got to where you are and then we'll pause for the teachers and classroom folks uh, on the line. Uh, We'll pause for part two uh, and then we'll get into part two which is more of an informational interview about what Sean actually does with her occupation today. So Sean, real quickly, give us a general overview of what you do today, um, what sort of children's hospital's mission, and who do you serve directly in your job?
1: Well, for a quick overview is that I provide physical therapy to children from ages 0 to 21, and mission is to obviously provide the best quality care and health for our young people so that they can just continue on with a high quality of life and i'm so sorry i missed one of the questions that you asked you asked what do i do what are our mission and
0: what's your mission and then who are your customers who do you generally work with what what kind of folks are you working with young kids i'm guessing right yes
1: i'm working with um anywhere from infants to ages of 21 and where i work is more in the orthopedic Area so kids that have injured themselves like uh, torn their ACL or have meniscal problems or knee pains, hip pains, neck pains, those type of injuries. But then also I work with the little itty bitties as well because sometimes they have injuries as when they're born or they have positional injuries such as. some people may have heard of the word torticollis, where just kind of how their neck is positioned. And that kind of happens sometimes with, after birth or when kids are sleeping on their back all the time and not doing any tummy time sometimes to get a, a little bit of a change in their neck positions. But usually I work with more the younger kids that are... A little bit older than that.
0: Okay, great. And give us a little more detail about like what does a typical day look like for for you uh, from morning to evening when you check out?
1: Well, in the morning, it's all about prepping. Prepping to see who's coming in to see me, doing chart reviews, finding out What brings them here? Sometimes there'll be a prescription from the doctor saying knee pain. Sometimes there'll be a prescription from a doctor saying, hey, this person had had knee surgery and I have to look at what type of surgery they have because the different types of surgery would lead me to treat or to approach a person differently because there's different precautions for different types of surgeries. And from there, if it's a new patient, I come in and we do an evaluation. We see, how do you move? How much can you move? Do you have any limitations in movement? How's your sensation? How are your reflexes? How's your strength? How's your balance? And we check all that, including your alignment, and say, okay, what is possibly causing, if it's a knee pain patient, for example, I have to try to figure out what is possibly causing that knee pain. And it's almost like we're a detective. We're trying to rule in and rule out scenarios of what could be contributing to your knee pain. And from there, we come up with a plan or a solution for treating that knee pain. If we have identified the source of the cause of knee pain, it should go away very quickly as long as the the family's doing what they need to do, the recommendations at home, just like dentists will recommend that you brush your teeth, we will ask you to do certain exercises to make your body move better and move more appropriately so that you don't have that knee pain anymore. And if it's a surgery, then we have certain protocols to make sure that we're protecting the surgery Sometimes kids come in and they're on crutches, and we try to get them from crutches to walking without their crutches. It just all kind of depends on what issue the person comes in, even coming down to concussions. There's different types of concussion tra- treatment that we, that we participate in. So after we see a patient, we will do paperwork, kind of write up our plan we write up how they responded to treatment. That helps us determine: Hey, did we did what we do was that effective? Did that create any change? Are we on the right track for identifying what is it the child's or individual's um, source of pain and or discomfort or la- loss of function? And then. We do notes. We document. We come up with a plan for the next time they they come in, and then we just kind of move on from day to day. That's kind of how a typical day goes.
0: I like the uh, the use of the uh, word detective, um, it, it and the way you described how you do it certainly uh, defined detective. So thanks for using that. Um, so. Uh, Sean, you probably don't know this, but the the mission of the Pikes Peak Business and Education Alliance is to connect students' talents, interests, and aptitudes to the economic landscape. So the healthcare industry, hospital systems are all clearly part of the economic landscape. And now we get to ask you some questions about your early career story um, to help uh, young students that might be watching this video sort of relate to your thinking process as you were moving through middle school and high school and how you progress to where you are as an adult professional today. So this is the fun part of the interview for us. Um, when you were in middle school and or high school, um, did you have a vision of what you wanted to do when you grew up for a job?
1: I had a passion for theater. And I had a passion for theater as well as for people. So, I loved, I was the, I had very dichotomous desires. I loved science. I loved arts and I loved people. And I really wanted to go into theater when I was in middle school and high school. And that would, but I always knew when you come down to you're looking for you, long-term, going to make a career out of this, how can I support my family? I knew that that was a real difficult road to go down to,
0: go you into. looking it. forward to being a starving artist?
1: Yes, I realized I loved it. It could be a hobby for me, and I decided that that wasn't what's going to pay the rent. That wasn't going to make
0: um and that's interesting, Sean, because you basically took the economic landscape into consideration, even though you had a passion and a dream about a certain occupation, you sort of formulated in, you know, am I going to be able to sustain a decent living doing this? And you you basically just described the mission of what we're trying to accomplish in our school systems. Hey, what was your what was your first ever paid job?
1: Well, I did lots of babysitting. That was my first paid paid job. I would babysit for others and then also within the church. Now when I got a little bit older and I actually could do um, apply for for work other than babysitting because you have some legal ramifications where they wouldn't hire you if you are under the age of 18. So the first other paid job I had was in retail. So I worked in express clothing stores, selling clothes.
0: And probably got clothing discounts, right?
1: That was a great benefit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So uh, did you happen to, uh, Sean, participate in any sort of experiential learning outside of your paid jobs that you had? Like through your schooling, did you... Uh, were you connected with any kind of job shadow programs or mentors as a student or any kind of internship programs when you were in high school?
1: When I was in high school, I was not. And that wasn't something that they I did or participated in. So I think that in high school, it was overwhelming because we just went by our own knowledge, what was out there. And um like today, where we have all this wonderful access to computers, we had the library and a big thick book of what type of careers are out there. And you <laughs> sat there and you kind of looked through the index and read about what why, what certain careers um, involved, what their pay was, what kind of schooling you did. And we just kind of had to, or at least that's what I did. I went to the library and started looking through those different types of books but I didn't have a shadow. My parents did ask me, they would ask me, what do I want to do? And I only knew a couple of different types of jobs that were out there. So my mind wasn't, the options were not there and available for me to kind of weed through like they are today for kids.
0: Yeah, that's most of the folks that we're interviewing have a similar experience. Um, I'm from a different generation than you. And uh, when I was in high school, the only way we were able to research thing was to go to the library, or our parents bought uh, the volumes of Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, (laughs) We didn't have the internet, right? So what's really cool about today with technology, like look at what we're we're doing today. Um, This is really a career exploration opportunity. You're sharing your experience uh, about your career with young students, uh, and it can be delivered right to their seats in their classroom. Um, we, there's also some research that you might be interested in here um, to reflect back on how you had to struggle through figuring out what you wanted to do when you grew up. Um, that students and their parents, uh, their the the view of the number of occupations that are available to them is restricted to about 20 years ago. So in essence, uh, students are looking at occupations that are 20 years old that don't reflect the current landscape of occupations and how many new jobs have been added, new types of jobs, new specialties in healthcare. Um, So these opportunities like we're talking about today are really helpful for students to kind of expand their horizon on what types of jobs they might be able to connect their interests and aptitudes to. So again, thank you for being here today.
1: You're welcome.
0: All right, so now uh, let's talk about, uh, so you wanted to be in theater, and then you realized that uh, maybe you wouldn't be able to eat uh, by being in theater. So tell us um, what kind of education you pursued uh, after high school, what kind of other jobs you got as you were moving through, and basically bring us um, through your history of jobs and education accumulation as of today.
1: When I left high school, I went to college and I was on a theater scholarship. So I had to start going and pursuing theater. But again, in the back of my mind, I I love science. I knew that theater would be very hard to break into and where my college that I went to was in Los Angeles and just being in Los Angeles understanding the amount of people that are in there, and then you're looking at the probability of finding work. It just, it was hitting home that, hey, I really like it, but I don't think that this is something that I personally can make a career at. There's some people that are fabulous talent, have greater talent than I do, and they really should pursue that. For me, it was like, okay, that was fun, I enjoyed it. Let's go ahead and see what else is out there. So when I went to college, I was struggling and looking, trying to figure out what do I want to do? I was taking some just general education classes to kind of get that underneath my belt and out of the way while taking some theater classes as well. And during one class, which I was a sign language class, because I love sign language, I'm very It was something that I started to teach myself just because, again, it was something that I enjoyed doing. And so I took a sign language class. And during that time, someone came in who was a, a classmate and she was on crutches. And she's like, oh, I went to physical therapy today. She dislocated her knee and she went to physical therapy. And I'm like, physical therapy? What's that? And so then I found out um, more about it because the other uh, other area that I was interested in, as I said I liked science and that I liked people I thought about nursing but the thought of giving shots and blood I, I would pass out at blood I, I didn't think that that was going to be a career choice for me and being a physician was definitely not my career choice because those are life and death Uh, situations on your hand. I'm like, no, I don't want to have that type of responsibility either. And God bless those people that do. I'm so grateful for them. So when I found out about physical therapy that you're just trying to get people better and they're not in the critical phase of their care, meaning that it's not life and death, your treatments will not um, have less potential of causing harm than if they're really, really sick and you're you're making those type of critical thought processes, and then I also loved the sports aspect of it, and the kinesiology aspect of it, and I just thought, hmm, this sounds really interesting to me, and I started to look into it more, finding that the college that I was currently at uh, had a program, a bachelor's program in it at the time, and I already had taken a couple of courses that satisfied the requirements. And I'm like, ah, this is a career for me. (laughs) And So as I started to go and pursue my my job in college, I was just taking, for work-wise, I was just taking jobs that I could have some spending money. So a lot of it was retail some of it was summer camp, kind of really went along with school as my priority. And so I needed something that was flexible, that didn't interfere with school. At least for me personally, I had that privilege of being able to really focus on my, my schooling during those times. And as I approached getting into physical therapy, they went from a bachelor's program to a master's program. I ended up getting my undergraduate in health education, health science with an emphasis of health education, and then went in and got accepted to PT school because you do have to apply to PT school. And they only accept, at the time, 40 applicants a year into their program. Prior to getting into the program, they did require you to do several, might be misinformed on this, I want to say almost about 100 hours of observational uh, education, uh, observational work to get in and to apply because they want you to know what you're trying to get into. And they wanted you to do it from different fields and settings. So I went and I followed people in the hospital. I followed people that were in physical therapists that were working in the outpatient part of the hospital. I followed people that were working on the inpatient part of the hospital inpatient, meaning that they're really sick and seeing what those physical therapists do to help those individuals who are really sick in the hospital to get them out of the hospital to go home. They have a part in that. Then I've done it in, saw it in a neurological rehab, people that had brain injuries and saw what their type of care was given including long-term care. So they might've had this brain injury and it's been like six, eight months, they're totally stable, they're, they're not at risk for, um, it could be out of the hospital in that area and to see how did they help them get back to independence or how to be able to live on their own, to walk, to be able to be able to dress themselves again. Then I also did orthopedic rounds as well and that really helped give me a great variety of opportunity to see what I like and what I don't like. And the nice thing about physical therapy is there's so many different specializations now that they, you could go into orthopedics, neurology, you can do geriatrics, you can work with a variety of, of People and individuals, and some people even specialize down to a specific diagnosis. Like some people are vestibular physical therapists and they work with people with concussion or vestibular balance problems. That is their specialty. So, through school, once I got in and applied, they also had you do internships. And in those internships, now you not only observed, you started to apply what you know and started working with patients starting to become that detective and trying to figure out are your thought processes correct are your reasoning skills um correct where can you make it better because we're new students we don't get it right (laughs) always but we have a lot of background so then from there i did internships both in out adult orthopedics, I did neurology, adult neurology, I also did pediatrics, and loved pediatrics, loved the kids, and I also love geriatrics. I love many different, (laughs) I just love people in general, and I like working with different demographics, and physical therapy allows that to, allows me to do that. So once I graduated, I graduated my master's, I moved on, and my first job out of the hospital was a physical therapist, a pediatric physical therapist, and being a new grad, (laughs) uh, my mentor who was there, usually when you're a physical therapist, you're licensed, you're ready to go. However, it's really nice to have a mentor when you're first getting your feet wet and going into that career to help you become better at what you do. You still are pretty new. And my mentor ended up moving away. Uh, Her husband got a job in Japan, so she ended up moving away. And here I was on my own running and working this pediatric clinic. I wasn't the main pediatric uh, head of that, but I was the only pediatric physical therapist in the clinic. Yes. So it was kind of lots of on the job, immediate train yourself, grow yourself, try to get as much information as you can. (laughs) And then unfortunately, at the hospital that I was working at, they had uh, some financial problems. So they ended up laying off occupational therapists, physical therapists, They, they laid off all their outpatient physical therapy physical therapist and occupational therapist, speech therapist, all all those areas, both adult and pediatrics. So I was out of a job. However, I knew it was coming. So then I, during that time that I knew it was coming up, that the layoffs were coming just because of their financial crisis that the hospital was going through. I applied for for another physical therapy position at California Children's Services. In California Children's Services, you primarily work with kids with neurological disorders. Well I saw a lot of children with cerebral palsy, with spina bifida, who has spina bifida, um, MS, uh, musculoskeletal d- diseases and disorders. So that was another tough but rewarding area that I was able to do, and I did that for about five years. And then I actually applied for a promotion to be one of the clinical, higher level clinicians, where I would go around and helping other newer grads and teaching them and trying to work with them. And at that time, I my commute to and from work was about an hour to work to almost two hours from work. But I was starting to get a little bit tiresome. And in the new position that I was taking, it was going to be even more so. It was going to be about an hour and a half to work and two to two and a half hours home. And so at that point, I was looking at quality of life. And a great opportunity came up close to home With another physical therapy position that was now both pediatric as well as adult orthopaedic physical therapy. So I started doing that for a while. And I was there for a couple of years, ended up having uh, my daughter. And at that point, my husband and I decided, okay, let's go ahead and we're gonna kind of change our focus a little bit. I'm gonna stay home, stay home and Focus my care on my daughter while my husband was working. When my daughter was about five, I re- started to go back and started doing home health, pediatric health care, where I would go into people's homes and help them. And that was from zero to three. I was working with kids at zero to three. And then we ended up, um, my husband's job ended up moving to Colorado. So then I moved over to Colorado and. While I was getting settled here, I was working and teaching science at my daughter's school because, again, I mentioned I love science and it was just a great opportunity to do that. And then once I got my license here, because you can only, you have to keep on applying for to practice in different states. And because, as I mentioned, I took some time off to raise my daughter. Even though I kept my license updated, the requirements in Colorado were different from California, and because I was working part-time versus full-time, I had to do some more continuing education classes to get that information and get my license to get to a point that I can apply for a license in Colorado because their standards were different from California at that time, and That provided me an opportunity to, while I was waiting and working on schooling, I went and got my doctorate because at this time now, the physical therapists are now doing entry-level doctorate programs, which was not available when I was in school. So then I went back to school and got my doctorate and then applied to Children's Hospital and have been there since.
0: Well, that's great. What a what a story and, um, uh, you know, story and perseverance and continuing education and lifelong learning and adapting to circumstances and family and all that, which we all have to do at some point as we grow up, right? So, Sean, yeah. uh, uh, if you uh, were able to go back and tell your teenage self one bit of advice, knowing what you don't know today, what would that be? What would you tell your teenage self?
1: I would say... It's okay to fail and it's okay to not know and it's okay to try and figure find that you don't like something and to switch gears. And I think that that's important. I think sometimes we have to go out and know what we need to do and we have to go A, B, C and everything that is supposed to be in a certain order. And then some things don't work that way. Sometimes you don't uh, get what you're hoping for. And for physical therapy, I actually didn't get in the, the first time I applied. And as I said, they only take 40 people. And I was positive I was going to get in the first time. And I made the interview, but I didn't make the final cut. And I was really surprised. And I had to find an alternate route and figure out what do I want to do. But I knew that I wanted to still do physical therapy. But they only had uh, allow for, they, don't, they only apply once a year. So I knew I had to do something in between that one year. And it's just, a, I would say it's okay to not have it all together. That's what yeah, I would say.
0: To not have it all figured out, to, to roll with some uncertainty and failure. I Thank you so much. That's, uh, that's a theme um, that we all uh, tend to learn as we grow a little bit older, right? And, and I love that question, being able to talk to your teenage self and the, the responses that we get from professionals like yourself are are really incredible, and I think they're rich in experience for young people watching this video. So, and we're going to go ahead and pause here for a little bit, and come back for part two, the informational interview with Sean about uh, exactly what she does today. All right, so we're back with uh, part two with Sean Walker of Children's Hospital. Thanks again for being here with us again, Sean. Thank you. So, uh, part two, informational interview. This is going to be more about uh, what Sean does for her job today. Uh, so, Sean, tell us what a typical day in the life from eight to five looks like for you and your current occupation.
1: When I come in, first thing it is that I see who is on who's going to be coming in and seeing me today, who I'm scheduled with. Then I go and I open up their charts and look and see, well, why are they here? What brings them here? Is it, first of all, are they here for an evaluation and this is a brand new patient, or is this someone who I've seen before and they're on for a follow-up and now we're really starting in the treatment flow. When it's a new evaluation, I have to go ahead and check, make sure all the proper documentation is available. Is there a prescription from the physician? And what type of information is there? Why is that person being seen? Is it because they came from their primary care physician and they were referred to us? And with a role kind of broad general diagnosis such as shoulder pain or foot pain? Or did it come from someone who has seen the child for surgery and has a more specific diagnosis or for someone who maybe who had was undergoing chemotherapy treatment and now it's having trouble walking so they're here for conditioning um, purposes and I go through the chart what first of all who who referred them why are they being why why are they coming to physical therapy what can I do to provide for them they also need to go through their chart and make sure there's no precautions is it a surgical a candidate and they're coming in and they're not supposed to bend their knee past a, per, a certain point or put weight in their leg past or um, that they're not supposed to have their arm above their head at a certain level. Is it someone who is undergoing chemotherapy treatment? And I have to go look at their blood work to see, is it safe for them to be doing physical therapy? Is it okay for them to do exercise and it's not gonna cause any more harm or damage to the joints? So those are kind of our very beginning step set up. Now, if it's a follow-up patient, I look at what I did previously, how that person responded and what my plan is for today. And how i can help that person achieve their ultimate goal and the patients during the evaluation establish that goal so let's take it from a start and say i saw a person for an evaluation they come in We do a nice little interview in the very beginning saying, hey, what happened? What brought you here? Oh, you fell off your bike? Okay, well, and you have knee pain or you broke your leg and you were casted and now you're ready to start walking but you can't move as well or you're not as strong, you can't run, jump, those type of things. Get kind of a general background on that. We also always do a systems review to make sure that there's nothing else that could be a contributor their pain that they might need to go see someone else who ha- who's a specialist. Sometimes there's some musculoskeletal pains and joints and problems that you have, and they're not you you think you have. They're like I have this back pain right here, and it ends up being that you have a kidney stone, and. Physical therapy, no matter what we do, is not going to treat that kidney stone. So we have to go through and make sure that the person's appropriate for physical therapy. That they're not referred here by mistake, or that it got um, overlooked because sometimes the the person didn't explain it to the physician clear enough, and they didn't. The physician might not have caught it. Where oh, that person, it, this might be something else. And we, we do that. We kind of clear that. Then we kind of look how they stand, how they move, how they squat, how they walk. If we need to, if it's a higher functioning person, how they run, jump. When I say higher functioning, usually people that have had knee surgery are not coming in to be running and jumping, but maybe you have someone who has just knee pain in their track. They detract track and field and they come in and they're having experienced knee pains. So we're gonna analyze how they do their running, their jumping and their sport specific activities. We also assess how much their joints move and does it move enough? How long their muscles are? Are they really flexible? We measure how much they're, how strong they are. We chest or sensation to see if there's any problems there because if you have, uh, sometimes adults, for example, will have a slip disc and what we call a disc protrusion or herniation and it puts pressure on the nerve and that nerve, it, it will, has two parts. One that kind of tells the, the muscle to move and also has a part that tells that part of the body to feel. And you can have difference in how strong you are or how your sensation in that area. So we check for that. We check for reflexes because sometimes if that reflex is off, it's giving us a clue that, hey, this might not be what we think it is. It might not just be a simple uh, sprain or muscle issue. This might be Something bigger and we need to refer the doctor in because your reflexes reflect what is going on in your nervous system. And then we also, so we do all that. We check their balance, how they can, uh, their coordination. And we also, during this period, I mentioned goals. We try to figure out what is important to the patient? Why, what do you want to do that you're unable to do that brings you to physical therapy. We we don't write goals, oh, that they will no longer have knee pain. However, we might write a goal is that Johnny will be able to run half mile with his friends without any pain or limitations because that's really what's more important. He, knee pain, yeah, the, we don't want it, but why? Why don't we want it? What is it preventing you to do? Because it's obviously causing, the knee pain is causing limitations in certain areas, whether it's running, jumping, skipping, uh, some people like hockey, sw- swimming, and so we develop goals. So when that patient comes in, a person comes in for their follow-up, we first look at their evaluation and say, okay, what did we identify that could be contributors to their knee pain? Is it at their not strong enough in certain muscle groups? Is it a coordination problem or a control problem? Is it a stabi- stability or mobility problem? And we take what we think that is or that we uh, believe we identified correctly and we come up with a treatment plan, whether that's an exercise to strengthen or to stretch or to mobilize or to work repetitively for control and we do that with the end game being Johnny's going to be able to run a half mile without knee pain so every time that a person comes in we're looking at where they were what they were doing and where they can get to it's and then uh, <laughs> <case I'm> sorry. <laughs> and then after that we document there's lots of documentation, but it's getting better with with computers. So it's a lot a lot of quick phrases. The faster, the more you've been experiencing
0: computers, the faster it goes. Absolutely, it it just sounds very customized to everybody's individual circumstance. And and uh, you know, you use the word detective in the first part of mm-hmm. our interview, and, and again, that's appropriate here, right? What do you like most about your job, Sean? What's the one thing you like the most?
1: I love that I get to work with someone who I can develop a relationship and help them have better quality of life afterwards, that I'm doing something to improve their health and their well-being at the end of the day. That's what I love about
0: it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And what is the thing you least like about your job? Paperwork. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) but it's got to be done right
1: it has to be done if you don't do the paperwork you don't know you don't remember what you did last time you don't really you can't plan and make sure that they're meeting their certain goals and then just how it is in today's world and society you have to make sure that you leave good documentation of what you're justifying what you did why you did it how you did it and it's great too because you can look back and if the person's like ah I was really sore after the last visit, you can go back and say, oh, well, maybe we did too many repetitions, or maybe that particular exercise was a little bit too challenging, so we're not going to do it this way, and if you don't document it, you won't remember.
0: Right, and I think a good takeaway for for students uh, here is that even though we may be like perfectly Aligned, you know, our personality, our talents, our interests, our aptitudes are perfectly aligned with our job. There's always going to be elements of our job that we just don't like to do, but we have to do them, um, yes. and that's just the the, the trade-off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Sean, let's we're going to talk about real quick um, technical skills and soft skills. Uh, okay. So clearly, you're highly educated in your field. You've got a, a doctorate. Um, what are, aside from your education, what are like, what's a top one or two technical skills that you need to have? Um, You know, a a good example would be computer proficiency or Mm -hmm. something like that. And then what would be the top one or two soft skills, examples being professionalism, uh, communication, teamwork, things of that sort? What would you say that the top technical and soft skills are in your field? right
1: now i would definitely say having some computer capabilities is now a a skill that is way more needed in in physical therapy before, it was just kind of doing charts and stuff. But now with the computer programs and how we communicate with each other, do and the research that gets done, you need to have that computer knowledge and that computer background. And then as a soft skill, you definitely have to have communication skills and people skills because you're trying to engage a person and trying to engage them in a way that they have what we call buy-in into physical therapy because there's some people that want to come in and they're kind of expecting, you'll just put a Band-Aid on it and it will be fixed. However, it really takes the person doing the work to make the change. We can identify it. We can say, this is your cause this is, if you change this, this is going to make improvements in your function and your mobility. It's going to reduce your pain. But if you don't do this, it's not going to change. And you need to be able to communicate that in a way to multiple people in many different ages and different cultures. And also to be able to communicate to other professionals because we use We coordinate care, we talk to physicians, we talk to orthopedics, um, surgeons, we talk to uh, occupational therapists, we talk to uh, speech therapists, because sometimes these kids, for me specifically, these kids have multiple therapists. They have many things that need to be addressed and you have to be able to communicate with one another clearly, and effectively, and respectfully.
0: So uh, there's a lot of art of persuasion in there, it sounds like, too, right? Motivating, (sighs) persuading, uh, encouraging people that are in a lot of pain to be persistent, um, giving them some hope that there's going to be less limitation when they're done with you, right?
1: Right. There is uh, something called motivational interviewing that is now the, it's a technique that where most health cares are professionals are implementing, and it it's basically go, comes down to we are all humans, and we have reasons why we do something and why we don't do something. Why we know something is good for us, but we still don't do it. Like smoking, people know smoking is not good for you, but what prevents them? from stop smoking, what kind of barriers, what kind of costs are associated with not smoking and what kind of rewards are associated with smoking. And as therapists or healthcare workers, it's trying to help the person identify that and try to help encourage them to go from an area of complacency or not even complacency, but a want to change to making steps to change. Because a lot of us know that things are good for us. In the back of the mind, we might say, oh, yeah, I really need to get out and get more exercise. I really need to stop eating so much sugar. or I really need to stop smoking. I know it's not good for me. But what helps us change from that point of I know and I should to okay, I'm going to make steps and I'm going to try and I'm going to implement that.
0: Right. So uh, last question, Sean, Uh, what, ultimately, what advice would you give like a high school student right now uh, and is strongly considering pursuing advanced education to enter your field? What, What advice would you give that student?
1: I would say that it's a great field and it takes a lot of work. So be prepared to do the work and prioritize school first, because that is kind of the expectation. And I would give them the advice that to stick with it. And even when times get tough, that there the reward is there and you're able to do it. You're able to do more than you think you can and you'll be stretched, but the reward is there and it's and you're more capable than what you realize.
0: Yeah, Um, and Sean, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate you you sharing your experience, and um, it's been really uh, eye-opening for me, and I hope it is uh, the same way for our uh, classroom students that are accessing the video. You've been a a real pleasure to talk to, and, and I'm glad we had an opportunity to interview you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we'll see you next time great. All right, Sean. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you uh, have enjoyed this video and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Everyone Has a Story podcast. We hope the experience shared today in the career story and informational interview may benefit you as you make educational and career choices. If you would like to learn more about the Business and Education Alliance and how we are working with education and industry to connect students' talents, interests, and aptitudes to the world of work, please go to businessandeducationalliance.org.